Good afternoon and welcome to the Legal Legal Show. This is your host, Tony Dodds. I'm an attorney here in Lakeland. To call into the show, the number is 863-682-1430. That's 863-682-1430. To contact me at my office, the number is 863-688-2389. That's 863-688-2389. My office is conveniently located at 904 South Missouri Avenue in Lakeland. That's directly behind the old Southside dry cleaners that's uh, right off of South Florida Avenue. Today, I wanted to, and actually love doing this type of show, uh, where I have a guest on, and especially somebody uh, that's doing such good for the community as well as uh, uh, kids and juveniles, and that's Dr. Davis with the Anchor House. Doctor, are you there? I am here, Tony. Can you hear me? I sure can. Thank you for being with us. Um, I I love having you on the program because I love what you do for not only the community but for the kids. Oh well, thanks, Tony. I I'm I'm pretty pretty big into it myself. (laughs) I um, and it's been a long time since we've had you on the program, mainly because of all the COVID mess and stuff. So right, um, for those that have not heard about you before, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, uh, so uh, I uh, was a pastor for 19 years and in Baltimore, Maryland, a pioneer planner, started a church, loved being a pastor, just absolutely enjoyed it. And uh, then I uh, moved down to Southeastern University and became a professor of ethics and theology. And uh, I am still teaching, even though uh, I am also uh, running uh, Anchor House as the executive director and love teaching, just love uh, being uh, with the students. And, uh, of course, one of the things that I teach in ethics class is ethics uh, isn't just a theory. It's something that you do. And uh, if, in fact, you really believe in what you're saying, uh, you ought to do something about it. And, uh, and of course, uh, that's more the Christian mandate, the idea of uh, that uh, we're not just not sort of here sitting idly by that there's really something we ought to be doing. And uh, so uh, a friend of mine came uh, to me, uh, who was a uh, a psychologist, and said, uh, you know, I've been offered this position at a place called Anchor House to be the executive director, and uh, uh, I'm moving away out of Florida, and I told them that they should hire you. (laughs) Well, that's a nice referral source. (laughs) And while we're talking about ethics, though, believe it or not, as an attorney, we have an entire course in law school called Professional Responsibility that's directed towards ethics, and we have to take a section on the bar exam that's an independent section dealing with ethics. So, well, I'm a, I'm a big believer in it. <laughs> you know, and as much as a lot of people want to beat up on us, at least I can say, yes, we're taught it. Now, whether everybody abides by it is another story, but yours, it's nice that you're doing that, and it's great that you're doing that. Um, tell us a little bit about Anchor House itself. Anchor House is a boys' home and a transitional program. And the boys' home is under 18, uh, and it has been in existence since 1974. And there were great people who preceded me. Uh, One that probably the community uh, knows a little bit better than most is a gentleman by the name of Mark Rivera. And uh, he came from the gang life in New Jersey, uh, and uh, he um, uh, became a believer in Christ, and as a result, he decided that he needed to uh, do something to help uh, teenagers like himself. And so he started, and, and actually, there was, more correctly, there was an anchor house started before he got there, but he took it over and sort of ran with it. 
And uh, he became very popular in the community because he uh, had a heart for kids. And uh, like himself, he wanted to to, uh, uh, take on troubled kids, kids that uh, were in trouble with the law, kids that had been thrown out of their homes, uh, kids uh, also who, through no fault of their own, uh, had been abused and uh, or neglected. And so he started Anchor House. Uh, people got behind the vision. And uh, the truth of the matter, Tony, as you know, uh, works like Anchor House can't continue unless the community supports it. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you end up with quite a few donations and actually public support through the community. And that's how it stays in business, so to speak. And I say business. No question. It's, it's there for the kids. But you've no. got to have that support or it wouldn't exist. It definitely wouldn't exist. wouldn't wouldn't even come close to existing. And uh, you know, one of the things that uh, I, I I don't know. People just uh, assume that it just sort of magically uh, we feed children, or magically we <laughs> turn the heat on, or magically uh, you know we pay our staff. And uh, you know, without donations, it just wouldn't happen. Well, and, I think uh, a lot of people think that quote government end quote takes yeah. care of all that. Well, no. They don't. I mean, it takes a tremendous amount of support from the community. Absolutely. Absolutely. And all of the transitional houses that we bought, all of them have been bought by donors. People have come along and said, I want to support this vision. I want to I want to do something to change uh, my community. And uh, these 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 transition houses are, uh, I would say, the the secret to success uh, for foster care. And uh, going all the way back to uh, when I started to learn about Anchor House, I came in for an interview, and I'm going to be very honest. I really knew very little about Anchor House. And once I began to sort of hear, uh, I went into the interview with uh, did a little re- research before I went in. But once I got there, I asked him a question. What happens when the boys turn 18? I mean, these are orphans. Yeah. These, are, these, are, these are kids that, have no, that don't have a family. And uh, or they've been removed from their family. And when people ask me, what is Anchor House about? I tell them, we take care of orphans in the truest sense of the word and those who have it worse than orphans. Yeah. What I mean by that is uh, children have seen their parents taken away in handcuffs because of abuse. Uh, people have seen their children removed from the home because of neglect. Yeah. And 86% of the kids that come to us have been abused. And uh, so, uh, you know, this is just, uh, we, we take care of the, the suffering of society. Uh, in other words, all the horrible stuff that's going on uh, in society, we get to see it. And, and, and uh, you're having to help them with emotional support as well as housing the basic needs and stuff like that. Well, this is one of the improvements that has occurred, uh, Tony. When I first came there, I'm going to be honest, we didn't have the money to hire a therapist. We just didn't. Well, and, and let me take a break real quick because we've got to go to commercial break, and we'll go right into this as soon as we get back, if that'll work for Thanks. you. Thanks so much. Yes. Right. Uh, you've been listening to Talk Radio 96.7 FM and 1430 AM. Welcome back to the Legal Legal Show. This is your host, Tony Dodds. To call into the show, the number is 863-682-1430. That's 863-682-1430. To contact me at my office, the number is 863-688-2389. That's 863-688-2389. We are graced with a special guest today, Dr. Davis with Anchor House. Uh, doctor, before the break, I believe we were talking about these transition homes, and before you were able to 
or when you first came on board, they didn't exist. Yes, that's correct. And, and the transition home is really designed more for the like 18-year-old and above to get them to where they're able to function into society. That, uh, is, that is correct. And the theory behind that is, otherwise, when they just turned 18, if I'm and I'm kind of paraphrasing what you had told us on a previous show, uh, under the way it was set up before, once they turned 18, they were basically said, you're on your own, if, if I'm not mistaken. You are not mistaken, and that is 100% correct. That was the question I asked in my interview. I asked what happens to the boys when they turn 18. And I think that everybody needs to remember that the people on the board were very good people, caring, loving people, and they just didn't have any money to do anything about it. And that's what they said. Dr. Davis, we'd love to do something about this, but there isn't any money to do it. Well, and, you, you helped facilitate yeah, changing that by finding some money, didn't you? Well, I'm just bullheaded enough to uh, make that work. <laughs> <laughs> I believe it. I believe it. I, I've seen how you operate, and it works well, and there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, movers and yeah. shakers get things done. People that sit on their rear ends and just let the status quo happen don't get anything done. Well, Tony, it was just completely unacceptable. Yeah. Uh, I, uh, I I think the people are just as kind and loving as uh, could possibly be, but I'd been a pastor for 19 years, yeah. and I knew – that in fact, if I could, if I could tell people the vision, like we're doing right now, yeah. if I could tell people the vision, the people would get behind it because I know, and particularly, if I may say so, in Polk County, in our community, there are many, many giving people, and they do get behind things like this, yeah. and well, and that has occurred. And if I can interject, part of the reason I so enthusiastically support your program is that you're providing a seriously good service to the community in general, not just the kids, but the community. Because yeah. without such a program as not only the Anchor House part, but then the transition programs, these kids have gotten nowhere to go, and they're ultimately, in most cases, going to turn to a life of crime to help support themselves. We don't need to hypothesize about what might happen because we have the data, yeah. and here's the data. The newest data that has come in is 33% of children in foster care on their 18th birthday will become instantly homeless. Yeah. They will be instantly. Happy birthday. Yeah. Happy birthday. Welcome to the streets. And it's so short-sighted, uh, Tony. Uh, I, I, you know, I'm not involved in government, uh, but I have to ask the question, yeah. who was thinking about this? <laughs> well, the, our government's too tied up with worrying about what's going on in Ukraine right now than it is to try to worry about, and I'm, I'm being somewhat facetious about this. We yeah, need to be yeah. taking, we need to be taking care of issues at home before I worry or any government official should worry about what's going on overseas somewhere. I understand well, there's dual priorities and things. Yeah, but sure. we, we need to deal with issues here first. Well, and, I don't think that, it, you know, in lots of moral issues, I don't think it's necessarily an either-or. It isn't like you, you can only do this. We can only help foster care children. We can't do something else. I think it's just a matter sometimes of, I don't know, Tony, sometimes it's just a matter of saying, look, it really can be done. This, this is not the hardest thing in the world. I, and and, I, and uh, I don't necessarily yeah. disagree with you, but I, I unfortunately see our priorities being placed in the wrong place at times. Well, I think so, too. I agree with you. And and one of the things that I've told people is now, uh, you know, and I'm just like, please explain to me, not you, Tony, but whoever's making these decisions, why we spend so much money on incarcerating people where 
we know that that's not really working and we could stop it before it gets started. So here's the other statistic I was going to tell you. So of those who are foster care children who leave foster care at 18 years old without a transitional house, we know the homeless rate 33%, but here's the really horrible one. The incarceration rate over three years is 62%. Yeah, it doesn't surprise me because we're tossing those kids out into an environment where they have no place to live and no yeah. available means of supporting themselves. I, I, what, are the, what do we think they're going to do? Right. I mean, like I say, just what do we think that children who are 18, who are homeless, what do what does society think is going to happen? Uh, I, you're right on point. And <laughs> I, you know, I do criminal defense for part of my living. It's a huge portion of my living. I get enough of it without having to have it exacerbated with not having uh, programs available to help people with. Right. Um, we have a, a judge that uh, I won't say who it was, but he actually is down in another county right now. It's part of our circuit. And one time he actually said I was half social worker and half attorney because I was trying to help get people back on a right path so that they would not come back to court. And we do actually yeah. have some court programs to help a lot of people doing that now. But yes. they are not – some of them are longer term than others. Yeah. And some yeah. of them are made more to fix people than others. Yours well, is actually my, there to help these kids on a long-term basis. That's right. It's preemptive. It's not after the fact. Correct. And that's that's the success. And, you know, it's the, it's the old saying, you know, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. Exactly. Um, you know, if we can keep the kids from breaking into my car at night, which I'm not saying I've had my car broken into. That's not. I'm using this as a hypothetical. Yeah. By yeah. placing them in a place where they've got a, a, a residence, they're clothed, they're fed, mm-hmm. We're not talking about fancy digs. It's it's basic needs that they have. It's much right. better than what they had that they came out of. Sure. We're giving True. them absolutely. We're giving them hope and a path to a successful life. Um, well, that's the main thing we're offering, Tony, and that is hope. And and a lot of these children have come from horrible situations, and uh, it'd be easy to fall into a lack of hope and to believe that nobody cares. And like when we have our blank, our banquet, we had Dennis Ross speak at our banquet uh, this past year. Mm-hmm. And uh, the kids, when they come, are shocked that, in fact, anybody even cares. And yeah. uh, and it's, it's eye-opening for them. My golly, people care. Yeah, and Dennis is a great speaker. I've known Dennis for, geez, it's almost 30 years now myself. Well, he and I are starting to date ourselves on aging. <laughs> uh, last time I actually got to talk to him personally, we were sitting in a Beef O'Brady's probably, had it been 10 years ago at least, because I think he was still in the house at that point in time. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, I know it was over about 10 years ago because I remember the administration he was having to deal with at the time, and I won't get political with you on that, but <laughs> okay, he, yeah. he and I were discussing some of the problems he was having to deal with. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But long and the short of it is, Dennis is a great speaker. It's a great support person for you to have out there to help do stuff like speaking and spread the word. Uh, uh, he is, and uh, just a wonderful supporter of Anchor House, uh, and, uh, you know, just... Uh, he, when I asked him, I said, would you consider doing this? He, he, he said, absolutely, no question. I, I, I want to do it. I'll be there. Well, that's awesome. Tell us, how many transition homes do you have now? Well, the good news is we just bought our fourth one, awesome. uh, Dennis. Yeah, and uh, so we just bought it in December, 
And uh, I will tell you the way that we got it is uh, we had a lady in our community, uh, Dr. Seng Yap, who uh, toured Anchor House. And we have a, a number of pictures on the wall of graduates. And uh, those who have uh, graduated from high school, uh, half of which uh, would uh, enter college. And uh, I, uh, she asked me straight up, she said, uh, um, do you need another house? And I said, well, uh, Dr. Yap, as a matter of fact, we had to turn away five boys over the past month because we did not have beds available. And so the answer to your question is yes. Uh, it'll fluctuate from time to time because it's a transition house. People transition out. I said, but right now we've had to turn away boys. And she shook her head and she said, I want to help you get your fourth house. And so she sold us her house way below value, to say it as clearly as I can, way below value. And uh, not just her, but three other people owned this house. It was a rental property. She sold it to us, and we already have a boy in there. Within uh, when one month, we've already got a good boy in there. And he's doing fantastic. I, uh, he's, he's working 60 hours a week. He's just a fantastic young man. Well, that's awesome. And, mm -hmm. again, I think you said something, but part of this is to make sure they can go ahead and finish graduating from high school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so uh, you know, I didn't – I'm not. I would say it this way. I'm not smart enough to realize <laughs> the benefits of this program. I just wanted to get people off the street. Sure. But our very first house – we thought they'd stay for two or three months, you know, because, and, and truthfully, I was looking at it like I was an 18 year old. And when I was 18, I just wanted to get out of my house, be on my own, do what I wanted, you know? And, uh, so I thought, well, this is how these boys will be. They'll be here for, you know, just a couple months. Yeah. Well, I couldn't have been more wrong. And so, uh, they stayed. And what I didn't realize is only one of them had a high school diploma or GED. And that was normal. I didn't realize that either. Only about 16%. Doctor, I, I hate, hate to interrupt oh, you again. We got to go to break again, but I still want. <laughs> okay. I, I really want to hear about all this, so we'll do it right okay. after we get back from break, if that's okay. All right, absolutely. Uh, you've been listening to Talk Radio ninety six point seven FM and fourteen thirty AM. Welcome back to the Legal Legal Show. This is your host Tony Dodds. To call into the show, the number is eight six three six eight two one four three zero. That's 863-682-1430 to contact me at my office. The number is 863-688-2389. That's 863-688-2389. I've got a special guest today, uh, Dr. Davis. And, Doctor, before we go back into more of the stuff that you've been talking about uh, with those transitions and, and how well the program's going, we actually have a caller that's called in. Sure. Uh, well, go ahead, caller. Tony, Dr. Davis, long time no see. I feel disconnected over here in Plant City. But in any event, I have a couple of suggestions, one personal and one corporate, where we can help out. On a personal level, our, my, our, our, all religions, especially the Christian religion, has taken the homeless people. And my family has taken me in while I'm in between jobs. And when the shelter can't help out, we should help out each other. Corporately, education is important for these kids. And you and I actually had somewhat affordable education, and it's not. And I know that this may sound counterintuitive, but you can check me on this. Only when you have uh, the threat of bankruptcy defense for student loans will the Department of Ed stop lending an insane amount, and the cost of education Gordon, will come down. For Gordon, we're getting off topic with that, okay? And I appreciate you calling in, but I, I, but I oh. do agree with you about affordable education, and I think that I don't think Dr. Davis would have any problem with that aspects of it. In fact, his program 
kind of helps kids get to college to a certain extent, to the extent of helping them graduate and then providing that transitional experience to actually getting to college if they qualify or want to go to college. True. Uh, and I'm familiar with that because at one of the banquets, I actually um, saw one of the kids that was getting ready to go to the University of Florida, I believe it was, wasn't it, Dr. That's Davis? correct. Mm-hmm, that's uh, correct. And the kid would have never gotten there if it wasn't for the Anchor House program. Okay? Oh, yeah. Well, thanks a lot. Sorry about that. I no, just had to give it a try. I know you did, Gordon. You try every time on that. I got it. I'll catch you later, thank, buddy. Thank, you too. Thanks. Dr. Davis, he likes to get off on bankrupting student loans, and so I tried. To, I had to kind of subvert that just for a second. Cause, no, uh, it's no problem at all. That, no problem at all. That's getting down yeah, a path the, that we don't need to be and, touching on today. So. Well, actually, it, it's a good segue to something uh, along these lines of education and the transi- transitional homes. Sure. Uh, most people do not know that, in fact, for foster care children, uh, if they go to a state school, uh, their tuition is paid for. Perfect. Uh, the yeah, the only problem with that is it presupposes they're not sleeping under a bridge. Yeah, because it doesn't provide yeah. for housing. It just pays for the educational part well, of it. Right, and so that's part of what occurred uh, this first time around when we did our first house. I mean, I was shocked uh, that everybody got their high school diploma or GED. I mean, I had no idea that that just having a place, to, a safe place to rest your head would, would provide such benefits. Yeah. But then when all five of them decided that they wanted to go to college, then it started to make sense. My golly, what we need to do is to provide for the children who want to go to college and provide for them who just want to finish high school, you know, just finish high school. And so even I saw an ad the other day, it was for at a, and a, uh, one of these uh, quick oil change places. And what it said was to change oil, you needed a high school diploma. Yeah. Oh, it, so I, it's almost yeah. a mandatory piece anymore, either a high school diploma or a GED, to get any kind of decent job that's going to exist out there. Of course, of uh, course. You don't necessarily have to have a college degree because there's a lot of jobs that do not require that. But Correct. the high school, they want you to at least have that, either the high school degree or the equivalency, which is the GED, to establish mm-hmm. that you know the basics of English, math, uh, that type of stuff that can at least demonstrate that you can do the basic functions in life. Yes, um, that's correct. So I totally agree with you. It's it's great that y'all are doing that. Are there plan? I mean, obviously, uh, anytime you can expand, I'm sure you're willing to do that. It's a matter of somebody being able to step forward and help. Uh, yes, that's fun- correct. Funding is always going to be an issue. Now, briefly, one of the things I wanted to touch base with you about, and I, it's because we had talked about it somewhat last time, are there any plans in place to help facilitate a, gir- a girl's transitional home? Yes, uh, we have one of our transitional homes is now a female transitional home. Uh, we get a whole lot more requests for uh, males than we do females. Right. Uh, but we do have a female transitional home, and I'm happy to tell you that this past uh, May-June, we graduated from that house our first victim of human trafficking as a young girl was oh, human wow. trafficked. Wow. And, and because she had a place to stay, she was able to finish high school. And if you were to talk to her, you would think, my golly, this girl has all the ambition in the world. And uh, the, the simple truth of the matter is, uh, who knows what would have happened to her had she not had a place to go. Well, she'd probably either, so, be, either be in a life of crime and not necessarily wanting to do it, but being a part of that syndicate, so to speak, or she'd be dead at this point, too. 
I mean, that's another well, people, you know, there's all sorts of information out there on just how being homeless just isn't good for your health. I'm being sarcastic here, but no, but it's not. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Yeah, sure wouldn't have been yeah. last night, especially as cold as it got here last night. I'm gonna night. tell you, I'm sure glad there was a home. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, so yes, we do have the female house. Can you and, and I want you to go ahead and do it now, and then before you leave off the program, because I, I I think you have to leave at about five minutes, don't you? Or I'm afraid I do. I'm gonna have to go teach a class, uh, uh, and uh, yeah. Um, and so uh, for those, uh, so what, what what did you want me to? I want uh, you to go ahead and tell how people can get in touch with your program to help. All righty. Thank you so much. Uh, the answer is they can go uh, on the web to www.anchor-house.org. It's anchor-house.org. And you can send me an email uh, and just go through that website. If you wanted to donate, uh, you can go through that website, too, and donate. Uh, and that's probably the most efficient way because most people right now they're they're on the web they're aware of the <laughs> the web and so they uh they can contact me through that you can always call anchor house uh if you so desire but truthfully sending me an email is probably the best the most efficient way because uh emails i can look at them at some point uh phone calls i can't always take them so i i would encourage people just to email me uh, or if you wanted to make a donation, you can make it to Anchor House, uh, and it's anchor-house.org. Okay. Now, what if they're really old school, and we do have quite a few of those still left around in the community that want to send a donation to a physical address? Do you still accept it that way? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And we have a P.O. Box, and P.O. Box 625, P.O. Box 625, and what's the city? And that's uh, Auburndale, Florida. Okay. And the zip code? 33823. 33823. And I'm sure and all of that same information is available on the website, too, isn't it? Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. And so either email or snail mail, as they like to refer to it, which it truly is snail mail, Doc. I got to tell you. I'm I, afraid you're right. I got some mail that was about eight months old that finally showed up at my office, believe it or not. Oh, my word. Mm-hmm, uh, and then mm-hmm, it took mm-hmm. almost two weeks to send something across town recently. Yeah, um, yeah. I, yep. I, I am aware. I'm aware. But do we get checks in the mail? Absolutely. Oh, sure. Absolutely. And you want to, mm-hmm. you know, you don't want to close that avenue because at least you know it's coming sometimes. It may take a little bit, but it's getting there. There's many people, like you say, who prefer to give that way, and that's perfectly okay. Um, any other updates that you have for us as it would relate to either the boys or girls' homes? I think I think just the uh, latest update of our fourth house, and uh, I, I'd ask people to uh, just uh, keep us in their prayers and, and to remember uh, that this is something that really does help the community big time. Uh, we are changing lives, and we are giving people hope. And uh, we've so far, it's just been a great ride. But uh, Tony, we're never we're never wanting to sit still. Uh, we are constantly thinking of how we can expand and how we can help more people. Well, and even if somebody can't donate money to you, but if they can come up with some way of helping, in some way, shape, or form like that, uh, do you also take in kind type contributions? Of... Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Okay. And uh, as simple as cooking a meal for our boys, you have no idea how much that speaks to the boys to come and say, hey, I'm just going to cook a meal. We have people who come cook a meal like once a month, 
And, uh, you know, that's fantastic. They cook 12 meals. Uh, we had people come at Christmas and then Thanksgiving, cook a meal for the boys. have to tell you that it's become so popular cooking for the meals. You've got to get in line for Christmas and Thanksgiving. That's awesome. <laughs> that is awesome. Well, and, but, but, and I, again, I really do want to stress to people out in the community, from a defense attorney's position on this or standpoint, we are helping the community as a whole by doing stuff like this. Uh, it's not just glad handing somebody and saying, "Here, have a nice day." You're actually helping provide a service to these kids, right. um, and it means a tremendous amount within the criminal justice system, too. Though, yes. um, I, I know Grady's been a strong supporter of yours because I've seen him speak at one of your uh, functions before. So, yes, absolutely, absolutely. Grady sent me a note not too long ago thanking Anchor House for the job that it was doing. And like you say, he was a big, big proponent of us, spoke at our banquet. And, uh, you know, uh, people don't often think about this, but I tell people, every boy that's in that transition house that isn't on the street, we're saving our community 20 burglaries a year. I bet you are. Yeah. Well, Dr. Davis, I appreciate you being with us today, and I look forward to having you back on in somewhere between six months and a year just so we can give another update. How about that? Tony, that sounds wonderful, and thank you so much. I appreciate you, and... You have been listening to Talk Radio 96.7 FM and 1430 AM. Welcome back to the Legal Legal Show. This is your host, Tony Dodds. I'm an attorney here in Lakeland. To call into the show, the number is 863-682-1430. To contact me at my office, though, the number is 863-688-2389. That's 863-688-2389. I want to again stress to you that programs like Anchor House and what Dr. Davis is doing through Anchor House, as he indicated to you, for every kid that they're able to put into these programs and, and keep them through these programs, uh, it's their foster care people. They're, they, and when I say that people, they're, they're kids that their families either don't exist or have tossed them out and or the family is in jail, whatever. The kids that otherwise would be homeless and on the streets. And we understand what happens when you put kids on the streets. They have to do something to survive. And it's not always the best thing that they end up doing to do that. They end up running with gangs. They end up running the streets. They end up committing crimes. They're solving problems with having these types of programs. So if you can, I highly encourage you to support these types of programs and particularly his program, because I know very much, I know very well about it, how it works. And it's a very good success story for what they're doing. Uh, I'm glad to see that they do now have a girls facility as well. Even though the numbers of girls are not as high as boys, it's still nice that they've got that because there's still going to be some girls and they need to be able to have a place as well. But if you can help in any way, shape or form, it doesn't have to be monetarily. As he indicated, they take in-kind services as well. And that could even include just preparing a meal for them one time a month or something like that. Those are things that are helping to give back to our community. It gives to these kids. It makes these kids feel good. It helps them to feel like they are going to be a success or have a community that supports them. And it's just, as he said, it helps cut down maybe 20 burglaries, 20 thefts, 20 drug deals. I mean, we can go down a laundry list of crimes that this helps to avoid. 
So it, it's a win-win. There is a no-lose out of this type of situation and, and program. I figured at the end of the program here, I'd kind of touch on in-county versus out-of-county courts. And the reason I'm doing that, I had to be in a courtroom out of county this morning, way out of county. And it's always interesting to go to a different courthouse than the ones that you normally go to. I'm, I normally go to Bartow, Lakeland, Winter Haven. I used to go over to Plant City quite a bit, but I haven't been over there in a while. I used to go to Tampa quite a bit. I haven't had to go over there very much. I've gone to Orlando. I've literally handled cases all the way from Key West to Pensacola. I'm not bragging about that. It's just simply the experience level of having done this now for about 35 to 36 years. I'll have to put pen to paper one these days and figure that out. And I've been in courthouses all the way from Key West, uh, Marathon, Key Largo. I've never done anything in Miami, in downtown Miami, but I have done stuff in the North Miami Beach area. Uh, all the way up into Fort Lauderdale, up through St. Augustine, Coco, Vero. I've literally been in all these courthouses. They're, the systems themselves and how the courtrooms are handled are very similar. But the what they call their hearings and how some of them can be conducted are entirely different. And a lot of times when you go to, as an attorney, it's best when you go out of county, if you're going to take out of county cases, and it's almost mandatory, not mandatory, but it's almost a necessity, that's probably the better word, that you're going to have to take some out of county cases at times. Make sure you understand how their system operates before you get up to do your case. In other words, you may not want to be first on the list. You might want to be the third or fourth attorney down. That way you can kind of see how some of the local attorneys, the ones that appear in those courtrooms more often, handle the judge. You'll get a better feel for the judge. You'll better get a better feel for the prosecutors. And it, as an attorney, it just makes more sense sometimes to be able to take a step back and watch and see how others operate and learn from how they do things. And you may see what works with a particular judge and what doesn't work. Sometimes judges have little nuances and idiosyncrasies uh, that they're different from one place to another. And so it's sometimes beneficial to take a little step back and watch how they handle those things uh, so that you don't look so stupid when you get up there. Or you may say something that they're kind of looking at you cockeyed like, why did you say that? Well, if you've seen somebody else handle the case before you, you can figure out what works, what doesn't work, and not repeat a, a similar mistake that somebody else is, is doing. And these are just kind of insider tips from somebody that's been doing this a long time, that's handled a lot of cases. I've even done stuff in Georgia, Louisiana, and Connecticut, and South Carolina. South Carolina was truly a different experience, i got to tell you that one. Uh, they, they still operate very much in sync with the English common law, and a lot of their... The ways of handling the courtroom are still very much in sync with the old English common law as opposed to having been revolutionized into more of an American system, even though they they certainly go by our United States Constitution and their state constitutions, their actual courtroom presentations and demeanor sometimes are still much more uh, archaic, meaning going back in times to the old days.
Nothing wrong with it. It's just different. And therefore, you have to watch how you deal with things on something like that. And I will tell you that there is a very large difference in, say, how a courtroom is run in Clearwater or Tampa uh, or Orlando versus Monticello, Moorhaven, Perry, uh, Inverness, Wachula. And yes, I'm giving the the opposite ends of the spectrum for population-wise because we have in this state opposite ends of the spectrum. I mean, places like Miami and Jacksonville and Orlando and Tampa and Clearwater, those courthouses are large. They carry huge numbers of cases through those doors every day. Uh, They literally have court every day of the week dealing with criminal court. Where you get into some of these smaller counties, and I I can give you some names of some of them, Hardy, Perry is in Taylor County, Uh, Inverness is in Citrus County, and yes, they're growing but they're never going to be at the size probably, at least not in my lifetime, of Tampa and Orlando. There is a huge difference in how the dockets are run, how the judges handle things on their docket, and how they'll even interact with the attorneys. And it's very hard for people to conceptualize that because, well, we're all under the same rules here in the state of Florida. But just because you're under the same rules doesn't mean you can't have your hearings labeled differently and then conduct your courtrooms differently. Um, They still all are very professional, don't get me wrong on that. But when you've got 150 cases on a a docket in an afternoon versus 25, it's clear how much difference the amount of attention each case is going to give. You can equate, I don't know how many of you all remember the old MASH series on TV where they'd have, you know, 50 or 75 wounded soldiers coming in and they called it a mobile armor army surgical unit, I think, is or hospital. That's what MASH stands for. And the whole theory was one of the, the times I actually remember Hawkeye talking about it being meatball surgery on there. Well, what they're trying to get to is they're patching them up, trying to fix them just enough to keep them alive until they can move them somewhere else. Sometimes that's what some of the bigger city courthouses or courtrooms are like. It's not that they're going to pass them anywhere else, but they are under such pressure because of the caseloads that they have that the cases are dealt with differently in those jurisdictions than in some of the smaller ones where in some of the smaller jurisdictions, a case that would be small potatoes in Tampa is a big deal in that particular county. And for me to try to give you specific examples, I don't want to do that because I don't necessarily want to divulge any confidences of cases I've handled. But I'm trying to tell you is, is it can be given an entirely different perspective depending on where it's at. A case that's not so serious in Tampa can be considered to be very serious in one of the smaller counties. And from an attorney's perspective, that's something that's very important to understand. Because if you don't get it, and don't understand that, you can offend a judge or a prosecutor really quickly uh, by how you carry yourself and your demeanor. And I've seen it happen on a number of occasions where, particularly when you see an attorney coming from one of the bigger cities that's used to the meatball-oriented type practicing of law, and they come into one of the smaller communities, some of those judges and prosecutors, they aren't quite as friendly to them at that point because They feel like they're being uh, rushed or they're being looked down upon for the service that they're providing and 
the position that they're taking. Uh, usually we don't see that same sort of problem coming from the lawyers that are coming from a smaller community. I, I've never really felt like I had a judge that was upset with me or didn't appreciate the way I carried myself in a courtroom because I came from a place like Lakeland or Bartow area, which is one of the smaller ones, believe it or not, even though we have that 10-story monstrosity over in Bartow, it's still small compared to some of the bigger counties. You get into Tampa, and my God, just even trying to get to the courthouse can be an adventure. Trying to find a parking place is another adventure. Then trying to get into it and get to your courtroom is the third adventure. So there is a certain level of understanding where you're at and how to act under the particular circumstances. And the reason I'm touching on that today is because I was reminded of that when I I went to the courthouse I was at today simply because it is smaller in nature than what I'm used to dealing with. So I took a different approach when I got there. You have been listening to Talk Radio 96.7 FM and 1430 AM, and I look forward to talking to you again next week.